I read an article recently by uh, one of my seminary professors back in the day, and he tells the story, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. Ruth was a member of my congregation. She had very little. Back then, people would have called her a bag lady. She lived off of what the city provided in social services. There was a small janitorial closet with a sink and a work area in a large apartment complex where a maintenance person let her live. Ruth had very little. And when we found out that she had cancer, our congregation found a Medicaid bed for her in a hospital in Oak Forest. And that is where she would die. I remember a visit I made to Ruth. One of our fellowship groups who had had a luncheon and I was in the kitchen cleaning up before I made my way down to Oak Forest to visit Ruth. As I put something in the refrigerator, I noticed the flowers that had been on the altar last Sunday. No one had claimed them and so somebody put them in the fridge. Because it had been almost a week, many of the flowers had already wilted, but I realized that if I took a few of the better looking ones out of the arrangements, I could combine them and bring a bouquet of dying flowers to Ruth. It wasn't much, but it was something. As I reflect on it now, I am ashamed. I can't believe that I took our church's leftover flowers to a homeless woman who was dying. She had nothing. And here I was giving her what we would have otherwise thrown in the trash. Rather than buy her a fresh bouquet of flowers, I took her trash from our church. But God was able to work with a gift as impoverished as that as he gave Ruth a vision of promised beauty. When I entered her room, Ruth immediately saw the flowers. Ruth had always loved flowers. When I set it beside her bed, she was struck by beauty. She sat there and just stared for a moment at the flowers. It was as if she was transported by a moment of beauty into something deeply personal and transforming. She kept mumbling to herself, so beautiful, so beautiful. When she finally came to, she looked at me and she said, Pastor, would there be flowers in heaven? In seminary, I remembered a professor in my pastoral theology class telling a story about a little boy who had lost his pet. I think it was a dog. And he wanted to know if his dog would be there in heaven. And I remember the professor saying that when you are raised from the dead, you will see Jesus face to face and there will be perfect joy. If it takes having your dog with you in the presence of Jesus to have perfect joy, then your dog will be in heaven. I thought I would try that same pastoral logic with Ruth. I told her that when she was raised, she would see Jesus face to face and there would be perfect joy. If it took having flowers there with Jesus to bring her perfect joy, then there would be flowers there. Ruth looked at me as if I had sinned against her. She said, oh, oh, pastor, I don't want the flowers for myself. I was just thinking that it might be nice to pick a bouquet and give it to God. Our fiat today is generosity. Let generosity be to me as you have spoken, Lord. I think we all want to be generous people, right? I mean, raise your hand if you want to be a stingy and greedy person. Of course not, right? We want to be generous people, but the problem we have, of course, is that our wealth and our, our possessions have quite a hold on our heart. What, what the passage called mammon, and it's just another word for money, has quite a hold on our heart. And so sometimes we think that the idea of, of generosity, I'm going to become a more generous person if I have more. If the more that I have, then the more than I can give, right? But Ruth had absolutely nothing. And yet she gave everything. 
Something else makes us generous. Jesus calls a question today, calls us to a decision. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. It's one way or the other. But he also teaches us that you can use your money to serve God. This is one of the most confusing parables he ever tells because he uses the example of a scoundrel. What's he, getting, what's he talking about? I mean, this guy, this dishonest manager, this steward, takes his master's profits, he cheats him, so that he'll look good in the eyes of the clients, and when he gets fired, then they'll give him a job, they'll give him a place, and, and they'll sort of take care of him. Now, being dishonest and cheating, of course, that is not the point Jesus is trying to make. As he says, no, 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 you need to be prudent. You need to be wise and shrewd. So it kind of goes like this. If this guy, this scoundrel, did this to win friends for himself, all out of, of course, selfish interest, then how much more should you, who want to be honest and you want to be faithful, how much more should you be shrewd and use everything that the master puts at your disposal, not in self-interest, but for the interests of others and the interests of the master? That's what he's driving at. This is what the Bible calls stewardship. We heard that word several times. This concept that, that we are all stewards. Everything that I have is actually not mine. I am not the owner. God is. It's all his. What he does is he entrusts it to you and to me to use for his purposes and to honor him. So, Lord, all that I have is yours. And that means then we've got to give our fiat to all of our money and possessions. Let it be to me as you have spoken. Let this thing, let these things, let it all be to me as you have spoken, Lord. Let me use it for your glory and for your purposes and for your honor, all of it. So, you're giving to the Lord and to his holy church to do the ministry that, that we do here together. Lord, let my giving be as you have spoken. Let it be generous. But it doesn't just stop there. Because the Lord, I mean, there are occasions when the Lord asks us to give absolutely everything to him, but the Lord doesn't ask most of us to give everything to him. We give some of it to him and to his church, but then the rest of it, that's what we've got to have to live on. We don't have to give it all right back to him and back to the church, but we do have to use it all to honor him. Everything. So ask yourself, does my house honor the Lord? Is it used for his purposes? Or my car? Or where I like to go out to eat? Or where I take vacations? Whatever I spend my money on. Does, does my retirement plan and my investments and my portfolio, does my will and my estate plan, does it all honor God? All that I have, Lord, is actually yours. It's that attitude, then, that'll get us started on a path of generosity. But this is what really accelerates it. Today's reading, this parable, comes right on the heels of the three parables we heard last week. Last week we heard Luke 15, this is Luke 16. And we heard three amazing parables that Jesus tells 
to, to give us a, just a glimpse of the great mercy of God who goes out to seek what is lost and to bring us home and to throw a party and a celebration that we have been found. And the last of the three, of course, is the famous parable of the prodigal son. And at the very end of that parable, the father in the story is talking to the older son, not the younger one who ran away. He's talking to the older son, and that older son is absolutely furious that a party is being thrown for his reckless and rebellious brother who wasted everything. And he says to his father something to the effect of, I have been nothing but dutiful to you, and you've given me nothing, and he has done this, and you give him everything. And the father says, son, you are with me always. All that I have is yours. Did you catch that? As stewards, this is where it starts. As stewards, the right attitude is for us to say, all that I have, Lord, is yours. Here's what accelerates it when we come to realize that the Father, the Master, says to us, all that I have is yours. Everything. I give it all to you. Last week, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, the scribes, the tax collectors, and the sinners. This week, he turns his attention to his own disciples and to you and to me, those who want to follow him. Because now he's talking to those to whom he has entrusted his mission of mercy. This is the purpose of his church, to find what is lost and to bring them home, to bring us home, and to throw a party and to celebrate. So no, don't be dishonest and don't cheat and don't act out of self-interest. Of course not. Instead, be faithful, be honest, be shrewd, and be generous like your father who takes the finest robe and puts it over the tattered rags of our shame who takes the jeweled family signet ring and he puts it on our sin-stained hand who kills the fat juicy delicious calf to fill our hungry empty and very very desperate hearts. If you're like the older son, you'll say, well, that's a waste. That is a waste on a son who wasted everything. Then that means Jesus is a waste, right? I mean, who would give, who would give your greatest treasure of all, your perfect, sinless, only begotten Son, whom you love, who would give that for a bunch of, of rebellious, constantly life-wasting failures like us? Who, who would do that? Who would give it? What a waste! But it's never a waste when it's for love. When you love someone, is it ever too extravagant, too over the top. It's, it's never a waste when it's love. And he, he loves us. He finds us, he brings us home, and he throws that extravagant, lavish party, and he says, and I'm flipping the bill for the whole thing. And that's the point of today's parable, friends. Think about it. It did not cost that dishonest manager a thing. It cost the master, the rich master, everything, all the profits. And that is precisely Jesus' point. That's what he's trying to tell us. 
Everything I have, he says, is yours. Go spend it. Use it. Use it all. Seek what is lost and bring them home and so that they're found and throw an extravagant, lavish party. The bill's on me. Go out and reduce debts, the debt of sin. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. The bill's on me. I have paid for it all. It costs you nothing. You, you just get to be the managers. I give it all to you. You get to be the managers. You get to be the ones to go out and tell them this beautiful, amazing news and invite them to the party. And then, when you get to heaven, all of those friends that you won over by spending everything that I gave you, all of them, those saints, they're going to be there to welcome you home. Saints like Ruth. I mean, I don't know about you, I can't wait to meet such a beautiful and generous lady. Let generosity be to me as you have spoken, Lord. Let's take that to prayer, if you would, please. And here's what I'd like you to pray about, if, if you'd be so gracious. Um, first of all, thank you for what you give to the Lord and to his church. Maybe it's been a little while, though, since you've thought about that. I mean, it's been a couple years since we made our Ignite commitments. Um, or maybe if you give online, you know, it's very easy to sort of set it and forget it. Uh, I'd like you to take this to prayer and to think about what you're giving to the Lord now and say, Lord, let my giving be as you have spoken. Let it be generous, let it be for your purposes, and let it honor you. When you get home, maybe talk about that as a family. But I don't want you to stop there. I want you to think about everything God has given to you. All that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. His infinite mercy and generosity to you.